I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Matt, the Lions up and running in South Africa. Good win there against the Stigma Lions. Eight tries yeah. in total. Do you think Warren Gatlin would be pretty happy with that start? I think he would be very happy with the way the Lions play, as in the British and Irish Lions. Um, you can only play who you're up against. You know, that's, that's not them. I think he'd be disappointed and probably surprised as I was that the old Transvaal, as we call them, the the, uh, the Johannesburg team, were as weak as they were. I, I thought they'd put up a much more uh, stiff resistance than what they did. I was a, I will use the term, a bit shocked at how poor they were. Um, the Lions scored a number of really desperately easy tries. None of this is a criticism of the Lions. It's it's a it's praise of the Lions. But uh, the, the South African team were really poor. I certainly hope the Sharks put up more of a, a fight because that's what the Lions need. They don't, they don't need 50 nillers. They need, they need some tough opposition to get them ready. So, uh, but I, I think maybe uh, there's more questions in Warren's head than answers because everyone played pretty well, as you would expect in a team that wins by 50 points. Josh Adams, four tries. Not often you get four tries. Great day for him, wasn't it? Yeah, it's been, he's one of the only ones in, in 130 odd years, you know, so it doesn't happen every day. And um, some of them were, two of them in particular, were very unbelievably poor. There was just no one. He, he was past the ball there at the, the end by uh, Johnny Hill on the wing. And he was 45 metres out. And there was no one. He just ran 45 metres. I mean, it's, it's, that, that's what I mean by being too easy for them to to, uh, to score those tries. But again, you can only play against the opposition that come out. And like the early tries were really well, um, really well constructed. Um, like his first try there, beautiful little move with, uh, with uh, Jamie George turning back to Farrell, chipped through, uh, regathered and scored. It was, you know, it's a very well constructed try. The, the, the try by Ali Price, again, long overthrow. Goes to Farrell. Farrell looks to go inside and turns right around to Price coming through. Again, you would have expected him to see a defender. It just went straight through. Uh, and Hamish Watson's try, well, I thought Hamish Watson played really well. But you could see the South African players, the Transvaal players, calling for the fence to come around and not watching. He's the first defender. He's, caught, he's looking sideways, calling the defence this way. And Hamish just runs straight in front of him and scores a try. He, I mean, it was if your under tens were doing that, you'd be having a word to him, you know. Like, mate, you, 
you can't be worried about what's happening 20 metres away. You're the first defender. You've got to take the scrum up. And, and it was very poor. But again, the Lions can only play who they played. And what from the Lions' point of view, it was, um, it was a good performance. As you say, the opposition were pretty weak there. I think it's fair to say. But you mentioned him there, Hamish Watson. Seems to just get better and better. There's nothing he can't do. You know, they questioned his size before in the past. He's obviously put that to bed. But he, he's incredible, isn't he? He's, he's fantastic. And I don't, I'm not a, uh, a believer in that the, the height of a genuine open side flanker is a problem. Um, you know, Michael Hooper. It's, you know, do we say anything else? David Pocock's not a tall man, uh, even though he played a bit of number eight. Of course, you had Hooper there. Um, you go back in the histories of, of the really quality open sides, like in the Josh Cronfield, the great open side from 25 years ago for New Zealand. It, Josh wasn't a tall guy, 6'11", maybe, a 5'11", rather, not a tall man at all. So it's what they do on the ground. It's what they do when they carry the ball. They're so powerful. And, and he... I thought he was an outsider for that position. I thought, as, as in a test start, and his performance the other day, I think it put him right in the reckoning. Like, how are they going to pick a back row here? And what I mean by that is there's so many quality options. Um, you, you can't believe, like, like, even this week, you know, Tom Curry, who would have believed Tom Curry, I thought, was a shoe in for seven. He's really going to have to play well to keep Hamish Watson out. Now, that's... For, for the Lions selectors, that's brilliant news. You know, that's what they want. They want competition for those areas. But I guess what I mean was a lot of the Lions players are stepping up that we probably didn't expect to step up. So it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's a very interesting um, mix that they've got. <clears throat> Again, we've got to take it with a grain of salt, um, the, especially when we look back on the Japanese game. Like Japan against Ireland, I thought they played really, really well against Ireland. Better than they did against the Lions. They've probably got a game under their belt and so on. But it puts in perspective that Lions team against Japan, when you see the Japan against Ireland, even though it's not, you know, it's Ireland minus their Lions. But that was a very good performance. So it's hard for the selectors to gauge, okay, this is where the guys played against Japan, this team, and they played against the Transvaal team that were quite poor. Where do we go? It's not easy as selector to, to gauge that straightforward but but it's better as a selector to have that problem than saying gee we've got six guys we've brought on tour who just aren't playing just aren't performing so then the Lions haven't got that they've got everyone stepping up I find with Watson it's nearly every time you you do see him he gets better and better yeah. so Gatland is going as you mentioned the back row it's tricky in itself but if he keeps going like this how can you not start him in the test yeah I, I'm I'm with you but and, and then you got you know, you got Sam Simmons being picked this week. You got Jack Conan who put in a you know pretty strong display at eight. But then you, you're going to get to the point where you got Josh Navudi. Now he's just come on the tour. I know he's not a starter, but I, I rate Navudi big time. And you've got Tom Curry. Now all those names I just mentioned may very well miss out on the starting team because I think or even on the bench because unless they start, they won't. I don't believe they'll make the bench. I think that you're going to have, as I've said before in the pod last week, Courtney Laws and Byrne fighting out to see who's got six and who's got 19. Because they're both playing second row, can play second row, and they both can play blindside flanker. So that gives them that flexibility that makes them better on the bench 
than say a Hamish Watson that is just a genuine seven and really doesn't give you much in the lineup. He's a quality lifter but as far as jumping goes. So you've got a number of these guys literally just fighting to start or they don't make it, uh, which, which again is a good thing for Gatlin and the selectors because it's going to mean the quality of the back row that, that runs out in that first test can be a really good side. The 10-12 of Russell and Farrell, what did you make of it? Do we bit a wee bit disjointed, but there were some nice touches in there. What did you think? Yeah, I, I felt a bit a bit sorry for for Russell because I wanted him to be tested, and and, I, and he needs to be tested. It's the sort of game that he excels at. Like when the opposition are quite poor, he's short kicks over the top. He gets a second touch, little passes, uses his footwork, and they're all things that I don't think the South African national team are going to allow him to do. And I. As I said before, his problem is he didn't manage games as well as he could have in the Six Nations. So there's a question mark over him as, as a top-level Test 10 that can win a Lions series. So right now you've got Dan Bigger in front of him. Did he do enough to put Bigger out? I don't think so. You'll he, get another chance, I, I feel. You'll get another chance. Um, Ali Price, I thought, I thought, did some really good things. Um, you know, again, he he had to make every post to win it because he's really only fighting for the bench because Conor Murray's going to start that test, that first test. So he he's probably doing enough. Davies came on and did well. Davies will start on Wednesday uh, against the Sharks. So he'll get his opportunity. But again, it's hard. When you're playing a really disorganised team as a 9 and 10, sometimes it's quite hard because they're not doing the things that you want. People are making breaks that you don't expect. People are dropping the ball as in the opposition. So it's a little bit stop-start. So you don't get your flow on. And I felt that was the case with the two of them. They did some really, really high-quality things as well. We're not, I'm not deriding them, but I think both of those players, the Scottish halves, are behind Bigger and Connor Murray. And Farrell's at 12, which is a separate issue. But I think they're fighting for that starting role. And they didn't really do enough to suggest that they're going to take either of those guys out. Moving on to tomorrow, the South Sea Sharks should be a better opposition for the Lions. Ian Henderson, captain to Lions for the first time. Big day yeah, for him nice. and his family, isn't it? Yeah, nice. You know, he's a, you know, you see him on the field with his beard and he looks a fearsome character. He's, he's just a really nice guy. He's a good man. Very, very popular up in Ulster with, with the players and, and staff and fans. But, he, you know, when you meet him, he's a really humble guy, uh, always got a smile on his face. Um, you know, I've, I've only met him a few times, but I was really impressed with him and I'm, I'm really happy for him because I think he's a quality captain. He's What he does with the Lions has been really good. I think he's got a big, big opportunity here at the moment. I just went back and did some a little bit of research. We sort of touched on it last week, Stu, and I was talking about people to the, to the, to the listeners about the specialisation of your second rowers in the scrum. So in other words, you're usually a tight head prop second row or a loose head prop second row. And I spoke about the, the first test in 2009 at South Africa. Now I looked at it again. Paul O'Connell was playing tight head that day and I'd forgotten that. I thought it was the other way around. And uh, Alan, uh, sorry, Paul O'Connell was a tight head prop behind Phil Figury. And the scrum didn't go well. 
Alan Wynne-Jones, was it Loosehead? They dropped Alan Wynne-Jones, brought in Simon Shaw, put him at tight head prop, um, and also brought in um, Adam Jones at tight head. So they changed the whole tight head side, tight head prop, tight head second row, and moved Paul back to the loose head side. And the scrum went really well. Again, I just watched, went back and watched a bit of the highlights preparing for this today. And I know that's, that's absolutely galvanised in Gatlin's mind that he's got to have a specialist tight head there. Now, for Wales, Alan Wynne-Jones was playing against Ireland was tight head second rower. Usually, James Ryan was playing tight head second rower and Henderson was loose head second rower. Now, against England, James Ryan was injured. They moved... Um, uh, moved Henderson across to tight head. Now, if you cast your mind back to Furlong, Todd Furlong, giving the air pumps as they smashed the England scrum, when he's got Henderson driving his shoulder right up his bum and through the English uh, scrum, that was a moment that may have got Henderson on tour. Now, he is a big night for him. Big, big night for him. He's got uh, Ferguson in front of him as tight head props. So if he can have another good scrummaging night, uh, he's right in the show to start the test. Now, uh, Johnny Hill started at tight head second row on um, on uh, the other night against uh, against the uh, uh, South African Lions, and did a very good job. There's no doubt about it. I, I'm a big fan of Hill, so they're they're going head to head. I think Maro Atoje is already selected right now at the other side, so I think those two are battling it out for who starts and who ends up on the bench. Adam Baird is beside Henderson. Obviously, his debut, he's been called up. The yeah. injured Alan Wynne-Jones. Big for him as well. You know, a lot of people question, should he be the man to be called up? He's getting his chance, isn't he? He is. And um, there's a bit of a history of guys getting called up and starting tests. Uh, right now, I'd say it's he's an outsider, but injuries can occur. Um there was a, a report, I don't know if it's true, that is it uh, Alan Wynne-Jones has had a trip up the knock and has uh, made a miracle recovery. <laughs> I'd like to see him, if he gets that shoulder fixed, that is a miracle. Uh, he's got a separated shoulder. <laughs> and they can play a test against the South Africans a couple of weeks later without any other games. Take my hat off to him, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but he's a good player. I, I, I did feel um, that James Ryan was hard, hardly done well. But again... That's Gatlin. Gatlin picks a lot of Welsh guys in these Lions uh, tours, a lot of Welsh staff, because he trusts them. He trusts the relationship. And one thing Gaddy's done, he's got a lot of uh, longevity as a coach. And part of his plan for longevity is empowering people. He lets them run their area. So he wants players that he trusts. And I, I think he, his lack of knowledge of James Ryan um, and probably some of his performances there in the later stages of the Heineken Cup, uh, especially against um, against uh, Ron Nagara's Lara Shell might have come against him. But Baird's got his chance and maybe he should grab it. Do you think that really did cost him, Ryan? I know it's jammed about that. Like, is it one performance against Lara Shell where he was didn't make the game line? Has that really cost him, do you think? Or do you think Gatton actually just doesn't, doesn't rate him that much? I, I, I can't give you a definite answer on it. On its due, like if you select the, the the first thing you taught as a selector, and I was really lucky. I was mentored by a couple of great old guys that have been selectors for Australia for twenty years on and off, and they just said you never select a player on one performance. 
and and the same. You don't drop a guy on one performance. You know, you got to you got to. Everyone can have a bad day, and everyone, you know, if you if you play seven really high quality games and one low quality, the one doesn't strike out the seven. So I, I thought James hasn't didn't have a season like he's had in the past. There's no doubt about that, but I, I do think he was in front of the. the he, he deserved to be called up. You know, if, if you're looking at it that way, I thought he definitely deserved to be called up. So obviously, Gaddy feels that there's a um, a question mark there. You know, so I, I I'm disappointed for James, but I, I think you know I watched him play last week, and you know gave away a penalty here and there, but I, I thought there was a bit more dog about him against Japan. And, you know, I was quite happy with that to be honest with you. I think he needs he's too nice a guy. He's a lovely bloke, and and he needs to get a bit of mongrel about him and. Uh, Maybe getting dropped from the lines has made him angry and he wants to do it. Great. <laughs> Great. Fair enough then. Um, another person there starting at 12, Bundiaki. He's alongside Dan Bigger again. You know, if Bigger's the front runner for the 10 jersey, surely that's going to help Bundiaki if he keeps slotting inside or slotting outside him. Surely yeah, Dan may look at that and be like, geez, they've played together a couple of times. Do you think that will stand him in better stead? when the test selection comes around? I do. I do. I think their hand has been pushed a little bit with Robbie Henshaw having a slight injury. Um, we talked about the abundance of the second rows and the back rows and how they're going to, you know, how you're getting down to talk about who's the best tight head second row that could, could or, or, uh, come with your selection or, or count against your selection. It's the opposite of the centres. I think they've got a couple of problems in the centres. Because they're playing Elliot Daly at 13. Now, I know Elliot Daly played under 20s for England at outside centre, but he hasn't played a lot of Test rugby at outside centre. So, right now, with Hinch, you know, does Harris, he had a good game the other day, did some good things, Scottish outside centre. But now, with if something happens to Henshaw, there you too. Now, there is a possibility that you play Farrell at 12 and you'd move. Bundiaki to 13, but I, I wouldn't like that at all. I actually think it's going to depend on how they want to play the game. If you saw the game the other night, Farrell did what he is. They play him like a second, as a New Zealand say, a second 5'8", a second distributor. And he really did a good job. He set up Ali Price's try and did some really nice things. The first try, he was the link man coming around to get the ball, to get the pass back inside before the chip kick from Harris he took that pass. So they did play him as a link man. Now, Bundy's, he, he can do that game, but he's much better at a power guy. That's what he is. He's a power athlete. When he gets the ball and runs at pace and runs at shoulders, he's a real handful. So it's going to depend on how they think they can beat South Africa. How are they going to play them? But I think the more Bundy plays, the better chance he has. It's going to be a brave, you know, and again, where does that put Farrell? Puts him on the bench because he can come on and cover if there's an injury at 12 or 10 and he's a goal kicker. So you've got two goal kickers, two 10s and two 12s in your team, which is really handy. Mm -hmm. It just, it's going to depend who starts and how they want to play the game. Again, Wendy needs a good game. Needs a really good game. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. In a fascinating back row. Josh Navidi, Tom Curry, yeah. and Simmons there. It's pretty yeah. agile. It's got everything. Big chance for these guys. What do you make of it? Yeah, very good back row. Um, interesting selection. Sam Simmons, you know, played some really great rugby through the year for Exeter. A little bit for England. You know, I thought he, you know, was a, was really unlucky not to be way in front of uh, Billy Vunapola as far as an eight goes. I didn't think Billy was anywhere near the races this year. And I thought Sam Simmons was in front of him. He, he gets an opportunity. Yeah. Eddie didn't Eddie didn't fancy him, did he, last no. season or last couple of seasons? No. Any no. reason for that, Matt, do you think? I, I don't I, I don't know. I, uh, Stuart, I would put it down to that he does favour Billy, who has, has done a very good job for him over a long period of time. And I think Eddie, I think he'd say it himself, he got it wrong about the Saracens boys. He thought they could play themselves in the form by playing Test Rugby, and they didn't, uh, where Simmons was playing at a very high standard for Exeter. And I felt he was, he deserved his shot and didn't really get it um, to the extent that he deserved. And that's been shown by selection on the on the uh, Lions tour, where Gatlin and the, the other uh, selectors have rated him uh, from his play below the national side. Now, he and Jack... Conan, I think, are going to go toe-to-toe. I don't think Valatau's in great form. I didn't think he did much the other night. Didn't do much against Japan. And I think uh, a really strong display from Simmons, he'll put himself again in the reckoning for an eight spot. As I've said, every line's to it, there is a bolter, and it could be him. You know, uh, there's there's a great history of it, and he's a quality player. I personally hope Jack makes it. Obviously, Jack Conan makes it. He can. It's just going to depend on that little niggly calf injury he's got. And there's a bit of disappointment for the Irish contingent, you know, where you've got Jack and Robbie with slight muscular, leg muscle, muscular problems. And they're fiddly things to get over on tour because they stop you running, they stop you training and stop you being part of the team. It's different if you've got a finger or a hand or, you know, even a shoulder to a shoulder to a degree, you can get in and be part of things. But when it's your, your uh, leg injury, a muscle your legs, you can't get in and do that. You're constantly in rehab. So that may count against them in the in the coming days. I hope they get back to play in the in the Saturday game. Obviously we don't know what that team is. If they do, they're in the reckoning. But again, that back row, like just just so much talent across it. And you, you could say that talented back row right now have to perform or they won't make the test side. The other guys have performed above them. You know, Courtney Laws, Furlong and Hamish Watson. Uh, and Jack 
Jack Conan as well. You know, probably only Falatau is the only one who hasn't really performed outstandingly in the, on the tour. It's interesting because after this game tomorrow, the Lions will play three games. Gatland and his team, his coaching team, sorting out combinations, sort of getting a feel for the tour. But when does it come to a stage where they nearly work out two, two teams, Matt, and decide, right, these are the boys for the first test and these are the boys for the midweekers? It's going to come soon, mate, especially with the COVID scare we've got down there where we're just not sure what games are going to go ahead because there's COVID in the camp of, of the Bulls. Um, you know, where, do, where does, when can they play? They want to play their test side as soon as possible. Do they pick a test side for uh, Saturday against the Sharks and just have a crack at it? You know, for, for uh, sorry, for, uh, for the Saturday game. Whether that goes ahead or not, we don't know. What do they do the week after? You've got South Africa A coming up. We don't know if that South Africa race side will play. It's it's a it's a very difficult environment to manage test selections in like that. It's not like a national team where you've already got a pretty strong picture in your head before you get on the plane and go to the other country who your test side is. Because most times you don't get a warm-up game. You might get one warm-up game and then play. But usually in the modern game, you just turn up and play your test. The lines are very different. They need these games a week, weeks leading into the test to get the combinations, as you said, Stu, because none of these guys have played together or very few have ever partnered each other in these key roles. And Ian McGook and the great lines coach used to always talk about teams within teams. You know, the front row is a team within a team. The back row is a team within a team. The halves, the centres, the line out, the scrum, you know, how the, how the tight five work is a team within a team. So to get those teams within the team performing, you need games and you need time together on the field. And you're not just a training park, on the field, under pressure. And those guys will be coming off for a debrief and there'll be no criticism in the debriefs, but they'll be saying, okay, what do we do really well out there? What, did, what, was, what worked and what didn't work? And then the coaching staff will be saying, okay, who, we saw what worked and what didn't work. Who do we think could work best together? And the example I gave you was the scrum in the first test in 2009 where the coaches got it wrong. They went back, rejigged, changed the second row, overboard in another tight head, changed the back row as well. They changed, did, made a lot of changes in that second test side and they got the combinations right. I actually forgot there was an all-Irish back three there in that test, interestingly. Uh, Tommy Bow, Robbie, uh, Robbie Carney and uh, Luke, Lukey Fitz on the wing. And they said it was the first time it was an all-Irish back three since the 1880s. So, you know, talks about combinations and those teams within teams. If the Lions don't get games, that the, the ability to get that type of selection, that crucial selection right, uh, is minimised. So it's, it's a really difficult environment, Stu. Let's touch on South Africa. They played their first game against Georgia uh, for the first time in 19 or 20 months since winning that World Cup in 2019. Yeah. They won in the end by 40-odd points. Took a bit of time to get going. Did you see yeah. it, Matt? What did you think of them? Yeah, I thought your description was, was right. And again, some of those, uh, or a number of those tries, were breakout tries. Uh, you know, I thought the Georgians really put in a strong effort. I thought they'd be physical. But they even they brought more physicality than I, I thought because we can say the 
South Africans, uh, you know, haven't played in 18 months. The Georgians don't get a lot of high quality rugby themselves, you know, like, and they should, they should get more high quality rugby than, than they do because while they're not a, a brilliant side, you can see with the Japanese when they're exposed to good quality rugby over a number of years, their standard lifts. Um, you know, Japan beat Ireland and Scotland the last World Cup. They they really pushed Ireland the other day, scored some absolutely unbelievable tries. Georgia don't have that flair, but they do have the physicality. And I thought they brought that in spades to the South Africans and the South Africans would have been happy with that. That's what they wanted. They wanted that strong hit out to get them ready for what is obviously going to be a huge step up in standard for the Lions. Um, I was interested in their selection. I thought they might have gone straight to a test side for the two games because they've had such little time to prepare. And then when you compare their performance to that of the South African Lions, the Johannesburg-based team, like you, you, it might have scared them a bit to see how far behind they were compared to the Lions. Uh, and then they played a team that we would expect the world champions to probably do better against, and they didn't. Now, it's tough for the South Africans. They've been out of, out of international rugby for a long period of time. But I think they, they'll have some concerns. I'll be very interested to see what they, if they get this game in, one, if they get the player, and two, what they, if they get another game, what they would do. Maybe they'll just have to stop playing the Georgians isolate themselves over that period of time and play internally. If they do do that, that will, that will put them at a massive disadvantage, a massive, massive disadvantage. Now, these, these are all things that we don't have answers for the listeners because that, that, those decisions are not yet made, but they are possibilities. And I've said this to you before, Stu, I think this tour, because if it goes ahead, and we're all hoping it keeps going ahead, um, and, and that they can manage the COVID situation. This tour is unlike any Lions tours, maybe come back to the 1980s or 90s, just before we went professional and Gav Hastings was uh, captain and they went to New Zealand. The tour definitely favours the tourists because the home team don't, uh, don't have the time or the opportunity to prepare. Now in the professional era, that's never been the case. The home sides get plenty of games. They play warm-up games. They, uh, their, their internal stuff's really strong and they're really well-prepared come the Lions. This is not the case for the Africans. They're going to go into this series, I feel, terribly underprepared. So it's, I think it's a great opportunity for the Lions to go down there and, and do something pretty special. You touched on it there, Matt. COVID looks like it's going to play another part. South Africa, Georgia... Looks in doubt on Friday. The Lions should play tomorrow. But on Saturday against the Bulls, looks like it may get called off. The Lions play Georgia, maybe, if that rearranged happens. It's all a bit up in the air. It must be a real disruption for the players and the coaching staff, even though COVID is now part of the way we live now. It still would be a disruption, wouldn't it? Oh, huge, huge. Sheila is always a gamble, this tour. Um, I'm I've sort of been labelled the grumpy old man for pointing it out on a number of occasions. Unfortunately, it's just the truth. And uh, again, unfortunately, because I'm really enjoying the tour, I want to see them play. Um, it is the reality. It is. 
the, the virus is rampant in South Africa and they have very, very low levels of vaccination. Um, as I haven't checked this week, but as of last week, it was just below 2%. So, you know, it is going to be a massive problem for the tour. Um, and that is now raising its head uh, in the South Africans, uh, which I thought they might have been able to control a bit better. But obviously they haven't because there's been an outbreak within the national team and uh, now, unfortunately, within the, the Bulls in, based in Pretoria. But the, the, the province around the Bulls and Johannesburg, so Pretoria and Johannesburg, it is absolutely, the, the, the pandemic is raging. It is, the percentages are mind-boggling. So all those players, even though they're trying to isolate, they, they, it's almost impossible to not come into contact with someone during the day. You know, they've got to buy food. They, you know, they've got families, that, they've got apartments, they've got to walk past people. So it's, it's a really, really challenging environment. And it's upsetting for the players. They make, all players on both sides are making massive sacrifices to, to play these games. And I don't think anyone at home you know, really appreciates what, what the players give up by being in these uh, biosecurity bubbles. Um, I know the Lions, social media, you know, it's, it's a mega, mega <laughs> uh, uh, society of, of propaganda of, of the positive and they're trying to talk it up and I get that. I'm not criticising it. But I know from Australia last year, the players that lived in it, and they had to live in it for months, they found it very, very stressful, like very, very stressful. Um, so much so that a couple of guys I know who have, they, they said they hated to admit they got when they got beaten in the semi-finals of the competition in Australia. They actually said, "I'm partly relieved that I can get out of this biosecurity bubble and live a life." So it is very stressful life for the players on tour. It's not the fun that it used to be, and, and hopefully it will be in the future. But right now, you know, you're in a really nice hotel, but after a while, they do feel like prisons, um, and, and that's tough for the guys. Yeah, hopefully. It uh, settles itself when we do get a tour which will finish. Finally Matt quickly what would you like to see from the Lions tomorrow? Big performance, a win but what sort are you looking looking to see from the Lions you know spreading the ball wide or are you looking to see them take it up the jump, jumper and destroy the Sharks? Interesting, the things I, I've taken out of the, the two games so far is the Lions are trying to play at a high tempo trying to play fast rugby and um, that doesn't mean helter-skelter rugby. They're not trying to be barbarians, but they're trying to move quick, get the rucks over with quick, move passes, multi-passes, move the big South African team around that has been out of international rugby for 18 months. And partially they're succeeding. Partially they're succeeding. So I'd, I'd like to see if that keeps going. I want to see their set plays. Now, against South Africa, set plays. I mean, we spent time today talking about scrum and line-out. That is, believe me, against the Africans, that is paramount. That is absolutely paramount. The other thing I like to see is their defence, defensive system, a little bit more organised. Now, I, I'm, I've said this on the podcast last week, and I did some thinking. Now, there is a chance that they're not showing their hand. There is a strong chance that they're not going to allow Rassi Erasmus and his coaching staff time to analyse what they're doing in defence because the South Africans have a fantastic kicking game. So if they're going to play rushing defence, the South Africans will kick them off the park. So right now they're not showing us genuine rushing defence. It's sort of hard to say what they're doing, 
there's a little bit of this and that. And after the Japanese game, I was a little bit concerned. And then I saw it again. I thought, you know, maybe there's a bit of a smarter play, smarter hand being played here than I gave it credit for. So it'd be really interesting just to watch that and to see if we get the same thing. If we get the same pattern where we're seeing a bit of both things and not seeing anything in general, I think they're holding back. Uh, And that we will only know if that's true come the first test. But if they defend what they are defending in the first test, they'll be in a bit of trouble because they're just giving the opposition too much space and and too too much time on the ball. Brilliant, Mark. Thanks very much for your time. That was great. Pleasure, mate. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.